The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We are going to kick things off with the afternoon update, catching you up on all that has happened today. And with me uh, for the afternoon update, uh, Becca Fisher, journalist for DMG Media and Shane Hannan of Off The Ball. Uh, folks, you're very welcome. Um, Shane, kind of a sporting story in the news uh, this afternoon. Uh, the FAI before an Iraq this committee. What have they been talking about? Mm, this is an interesting one. Gavin Cooney was tweeting earlier to say he's been to more FEI Oireachtas committee meetings than FEI men's team wins in the last number of years, which <laughs> sums up football journalism in this country, I think. Um, so I, I guess the the interesting stuff that we learned today, uh, the, Paul Cook, the president of the FEI, saying he does have confidence in Jonathan Hill. Of course, Jonathan Hill has been the centre of these payment in lieu of holidays not taken controversy. Um Real sexy story, this one. People just want to hear about Iraqis committees all day long, I'm sure. Uh, But basically, Jonathan Hill, and this is where it gets a little bit bizarre, uh, said an unnamed junior FAI staff member had asked via email for payment in lieu of holidays not taken. This was agreed by the then finance director of the FAI and the chief operating officer. And responding to the email, Jonathan Hill himself uh, agreed to the request and made what he says was a tongue-in-cheek request. And he said, can we negotiate the same for me, please? Because, of course, Jonathan Hill is on a lot more money than presumably the junior FAI officer which he claims was a throwaway remark rather than a, a serious request. But it was brought then to Roy Barrett, the former chairperson of the FBI, without Jonathan Hill's knowledge, is what he says, uh, and the payment to Jonathan Hill was approved, the €12,000 that, that uh, basically has been the crux of this whole FBI Rock This Committee meeting. So the fact that this has been uh, brought up and then the emails, which we were expecting to see as well, um, heavily, heavily redacted to the point of you just see the FBI logo, and all of the rest of the emails are completely redacted. So mm. we don't actually know. And look, the FAI said that's to keep the identity of the junior FAI officer removed, which is fair enough. But presumably there could have been just a name rubbed out and we could have seen a lot more this afternoon. So it's it's an, it's an interesting one. And it, look, it's a busy week for the FAI. They've been launching the Football Pathways stuff with Mark Canham. They're on the hunt for a manager as well, which is kind of dragging on a little bit for the senior men's team as well. Yeah, who's going to get that job? Uh, at this stage... Uh, who's like, the smart money on now? Well, Lee Carsley is still the bookies' favourite as of this afternoon, which is quite remarkable because Shea Given last week saying he's he's out. Um, they're getting close to the the Roy Keane button, dangerously pressing the uh, Roy Keane button. I don't I don't think that's going to happen. But um, at this point, is it an interim job for John O'Shea for the couple of friendlies coming up, or someone like John O'Shea? Uh, I don't know. Like November is when Stephen Kenny stepped aside, so we, we thought this is going to be a fairly quick one before the Nations League draw was made mm. recently. But no, it's it's going to drag on. I, I, it's funny, Becca, I mean, that there's actually kind of the Venn diagram. There's a slight overlap in terms of RTE because the continuing kind of drip, drip of scandal uh, from RTE um, kind of delays the government taking firm action on kind of future funding models. And you can see that with the FAI as well. I mean, the government were very happy yesterday to announce kind of 50 million quid or the day before to, to kind of Caseman Park. Now, it was part of kind of the Shared Island initiative. At the same time, they're very reluctant to give the FAI anything, despite the organisation, the association being up to their eyes in debt, because stuff like this keeps coming out. It's insane to me as well. I, honestly, I have Oireachtas Committee fatigue at this point. <laughs> yeah. Every day it's something new. And I was just listening to Shane there and it's, it's so interesting on the side of someone who isn't really in the know mm. with sport to think, you know, public funds, everything going with the FAI is happening and I'm not in the know with it. And this is kind of something that really impacts me and also impacts the fact that like, this time and energy and money could be spent on something far more important that actually concerns us as opposed to just 
I, I don't want to say just sport, but you know, I'm, I, I am one of those. My heart, Becca, my heart. I'm just one of those. <laughs> just I'm <sport>. sorry. <laughs> I mean, the lesson in all of this, though, is to kind of flippantly ask for extra money from your boss all the time. Yeah. And who knows? You know, they might, the odd time they might agree to it. See, the FBI It's is a bit well, like those Nigerian prince emails. You know, <laughs> you send an oath of them, someone eventually is going to give you yeah, their money. Exactly. But like, even the, the COVID payment as well, the FBI, that came up as well at the Arctic Committee this afternoon. So the FBI were given 33.7 million euro for what was called a, a COVID 19 resilience basically, and was to only go towards uh, turnover losses and to offset turnover losses caused by the pandemic. And it turns out this afternoon we've learned that uh, the FBI admitted using some of that 33.7 million for its legacy debt. They've reduced the debt in the number of years, in the last number of years, back down, I think it's in the 40 odd millions as opposed to 63 million, I think mm. it was a couple of years ago. Um, so that's another issue that, that's come up uh, this afternoon. So given, given money for COVID and then using it to, to get rid of the debt. So yeah, it's basically public money. It's RTE, it's FBI, mm. it's all this stuff being used in the in the wrong ways. Well, anyway, this has been uh, discussed this afternoon uh, before the Zaratis Committee another embarrassing day for mm. the FAI. Um, we will kind of move up the corridor, as it were, in Leinster House um, uh, to the Dáil Chamber, where there was a discussion and debate about housing, as there often is. Take a little listen. This is Sinn Féin's Piers Doherty saying the government is solely responsible for the current housing crisis. Rents never as high, homelessness and child homelessness never as high as the history of the state, and home ownership declining. That is the result of your policies. Now, you may go into conclave and pat yourselves on the back and think you're doing a great job. You are not. There is a housing disaster in this country, a housing disaster under your watch. So that was Pierre Starty, Sinn Féin's finance spokesperson, uh, a little bit earlier this afternoon. And, you know, Becca, the reason I say, you know, kind of another discussion in, in, in the doll about it is despite what we might be talking about here, about RTE, about the FAI, about immigration, about the far right, about all these other issues, like very much housing is still the focus for Sinn Féin with a view to a general election. Is that fair? That is fair to say. And I think, honestly, it is a a fair standpoint to have. It is not only an issue that's, you know, affecting the lower levels of our society today, it's affecting everyone. It's Mm -hmm. affecting those on higher incomes, lower incomes, median incomes, it is um, a battle for all in society in Ireland. It's homelessness has never been more prevalent. And, you know, speaking in terms of my own situation, I'm late, mid to late 20s. I've got a relatively well-paying job. I work 40 plus hours That's a week. That's late 20s. When late. someone says mid to late 20s, uh, it's late 20s. 20, 28 or 20, yeah. Yeah. Um, 27, 28 <laughs> this year. Thank you very much. Let me have my youth. The government are already taking it from I'm me. I'm like early to mid to late 20s, you know. Oh, just stop. It's, it's, I'm young. I'm yeah. young. But you know, at, at my mother's um, era and, and her generation, when she was my age, she was already a homeowner. She was... Two kids in as well, but Sherlock, here we are. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of one of those issues where I, I can't even dream of possibly buying a property. I know none of my friends can possibly dream of buying a property or even a, a substantial property that could, you know, possibly do me for the future. And it's been an issue that's been ongoing for years now. It's not been a, a notion in my brain or anyone of my age's brain for, I'd say, the entirety of this government. And I, I think it should be on the forefront. And coming up to a general election, we're tired and we're bored and we, we need to... Need to have this out there. And Shane, the Sinn Féin intervention today uh, comes on the back of, I think, Fergal O'Rourke, who's the new boss at the IDA. He was formerly at PwC, I think, um, yesterday acknowledging that uh, the state needs about 50,000 new homes next year in order to keep up with demand and to keep some of those big companies that based here and want their employees to move here and work here and attract talent here to keep them happy mm. as well. 
yeah, and, and from my like my perspective, <clears throat> I'm in the process of buying a house at the minute myself and have a deposit down in the house, and I'm lucky enough to be able to say that. And so I'm honing in and zoning in on all of these stories at the minute. But I was extremely lucky, myself and my partner, we're, we're extremely lucky because we're buying in Monaghan. Like, we couldn't have, within an arse's roar, afforded a house in Dublin. Like, no offence to, to, to anyone who, who is, because it, it's just one of those things as well. There's the, the, help, the help to buy scheme, the first-time buyer scheme, for example, we managed to avail of the first time buyer scheme. We were extremely lucky. We got a new build, like one of a very, very small number of new builds that, like that's in the area at the moment. The problem for people is the first time buyer scheme sounds great on paper. You can't, you can't access it because there aren't enough. If you're, if you're saying there's a shortfall of fifty thousand, there just aren't enough houses mm. being built. Um, and and people and even the, the other things as well for people who are single, people people trying to buy a house single. You know, you need to be on a certain wage to get the first-time buyer scheme as well. So I understand what Pierce Doherty is saying. And he's, he's spoken this afternoon as well about the 21,000-odd people who've gone off to Australia. My brother's one of those. Part of the reason was because he couldn't afford to live here as well. Mm. Uh, some of them won't come back. Um, and, and it just is one of these things that, obviously, in, a, in an election year, you have to take these arguments in the doll with a pinch of salt. They're going to be shouting barbs back and forth, left, right and centre. But, um, yeah, I, I, and then I think that the tarnished to Michael Martin was... was Biting back today, saying, "Well, Sinn Fein only have three pages of their fifty odd uh, budget proposals touching on housing. I guess they can't touch on solely housing. That what, yeah. like, what's enough? Ten, twelve pages? I don't really know. But yeah, these issues just aren't going away, and it's 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 very concerning for people trying to buy houses." Owen O'Brien is Sinn Féin's housing spokesperson and he's actually my guest later on this afternoon uh, on the Thursday interview at about half past six. Unfortunately, we don't really talk about politics uh, in these uh, political Thursday interviews. It's more about uh, the politician themselves, the person. Apparently, Owen O'Brien turned down two music deals. Oh. Yeah. What genre? Oh. Well, exactly. This is what we're going to find out. Okay. Tune in after <laughs> half past six. Uh, so, uh, Becca, elsewhere in Leinster has a lot of kind of uh, news coming from the world of politics uh, today. Helen McEntee, the Minister for Justice, has been talking about nightclubbing. Absolutely on board for this one, I have to say. Oh, yeah? Absolutely. So there's been a big discussion about kind People of... People in their early to mid to late 20s, oh, big night lovers. You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> early to mid to late to <laughs> 30s, 40s, whatever you are, you can go night loving. Um, I, so um, as of right now, kind of Ireland's nighttime economy is big on um, under discussion and kind of under review. Um, they are looking to kind of push out the opening times and closing times for venues and bars and clubs within like big cities, but also um, rural bars and um, just kind of facilitating a nighttime economy because a lot of pubs were hit really hard during COVID. A lot of bars and venues were forced to close. A lot of jobs were put on the line. And now we're kind of hopeful to have those like four, five, six a.m. closing times, mm. which are prevalent in, in major European cities around the world. And we're kind of falling behind on that one. But I think it not only brings kind of jobs and opportunity, but it also just fosters a little bit of socialization and, and community in mm. what we have solely lost within mm. kind of, you know, not even just among young people, among our age group, but I think people just want a reason to go out and forget their woes of not never being able to buy a house yeah. <laughs> and, and enjoy it. And I think the big issue that people are having with this is uh, antisocial behavior, but... I don't think keeping the pubs open longer is going to foster a worse environment, mm. if I'm being honest. Shane, you wouldn't last at 6am, would you? In a nightclub? I was just, I was trying to think of that before I came in here, Karen, and I was thinking, no. do you know the what? The answer is no. No, no is the answer. I'm <laughs> semi-retired, I think, from, from nightclubs, potentially. Uh, although, if, if they stay open till 6 o'clock, like, the, the point is, I don't think people would stay too much longer. Like, you know, what are they open till now? Two, three o'clock in the morning? They might, you know, people might still stay at three or four, five, possibly. But if you can afford to drink for an extra three or four hours, 
you know, more power to you. There is a nostalgia element to this. Like even over the COVID years, people missed out on, on the nightclubs as well. Um, so I'm not sure. Like, and, and a lot of people missed out on on learning how to dance properly in nightclubs, learning how to get the shift. These are important things, Kieran, for our society and, and the younger people in our country to know how to do. Yeah. So they're losing out massively. So, um, so I think like even look, some of the numbers I, I was listening to there was uh, back to a piece on News Talk last year. Uh, Melanie Finn from the Irish Independent was saying 522 nightclubs in Ireland 23 years ago. 85 currently like even in Galway I was in Galway recently enough and I was I was on a night out with a couple of friends for a, for a 30th and I was like well where are we going next and there's no nightclubs in nowhere. Galway absolutely like, nowhere they took it out of you know they use for the consumer price index you know they have the kind of the, the fictional shopping trolley yeah. right, the yeah. things they put into it and they took out this year uh, nightclub entry fees because there's there's just fewer and fewer nightclubs and maybe fewer of them are charging entry fees as well yeah it is, but and I understand from the nightclub owner's perspective, it's it's prohibitively expensive to run a nightclub to pay extra staff as well, and and for the extra few hours, um, the, the insurance as well for nightclubs to open that late is going to be like remarkably pushed up. Um, it's an easy it's an easy place for the government to to hit people and to hit uh, you know I, I guess these owners of nightclubs, so I can I can see why it's been an issue for for them to not have to open and why, yeah. why they're closing across the country, but. Um, yeah, I don't know how, how much I'll be seeing the back at the front door of a nightclub in the next couple By of years. By extending the closing times, it will also get rid, says this person, of the perception people have that there's a shortage of taxis. Suspect that text from a taxi driver. Ooh, perception. perception. Yeah, perception. There is, there is 100%. Oh, get it's out not according to the taxi right drivers. <laughs> and, 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 no. and this whole idea that public public disorder is going to increase because of these later times as well. I don't buy. I don't really buy that. Like, no, it's ridiculous. Saying, like, it keeps people off the streets for a little bit longer into the night as well, do you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. Can, can, I do want to ask before I let you go. This is... Um, I think a, an, an interesting policy proposal from uh, Fianna Fáil, from a Fianna Fáil councillor, I think, where it's sourced. Um, Becca, it's basically tax breaks for your gym. I'm absolutely for this one. Oh, yeah? And anyone listening at home who actually knows me, uh, don't make any sly comments about <laughs> if I do or do not go to the gym, I pay the membership. Um, I, I truly believe anything that is an incentive to get people off their couch, away from the screens and actually being active is a positive one. I think gym memberships, especially kind of if you're based in a city centre like Dublin, luxury gyms are hiking up those prices for what? I don't really know. But I think anything that is an incentive to get your body moving, Mm. to, you know, take care of our health, I think it will put less pressure on the healthcare service along the line. I think it will allow people a little extra money to put towards their health and themselves and their wellness. And I'm all for it. I think it's wholly positive. Mm. Yeah, well that, that that's the rationale as well from Albert Dolan. He's a Fianna Fáil councillor in Galway and uh, he was talking about the fact that other health expenses um, like going to the doctor and all that that you can claim them back at the standard rate so why mm. not be able to claim back your gym membership? Yeah, Fianna Fáil councillor so I, I, if only his party were in government they could maybe pass this through nice and quickly. Um, and look, Shame, it, it's, it's a cynic for someone cynic, so young. I know. But look, it's a very populist idea and the cynic in me would say it's an election year and these are easy wins for councillors to kind of throw these ideas forward. It, the, the problem for me is um, and look, I agree with that I was even reading in South Africa health insurance can pay for 90% of your gym membership if you visit at least eight times in the month, which led to apparently a, a, an absolute backlog of people visiting the last few few days of the month <laughs> yeah, to, to try and squeeze, yeah. <laughs> squeeze their, uh, their eight, eight visits just in. Just swiping in and out. I've got to get my days <laughs> yeah, in. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't know how, I, I don't know how you police that. I also don't know how, I don't know where this stops. Like, do you, do you suddenly give tax breaks to 
to golf club memberships to well, that's the, club that's memberships the, that's the short or even to buy in runners as well like, Isn't it like, it a, like running yeah. clubs hurling clubs soccer club they'll all be out saying hold on our membership fees should be tax deductible too I know it's one of those things as well where it's just like where do we where do we end it where all where do we draw the line what is considered like I could go in and be like my Zumba classes are considered a workout <laughs> are they I don't know <laughs> is it just me swanning around in a in the Liffey Centre yeah. no I look at the end of the day I think it is something that would need to be dictated a little bit better but mm. anything anything that gets people moving I've become such a couch potato since COVID I think I, I'm putting this on myself as well anything that gets me moving mm. I'll happily do mm. Laura from Terran you in Dublin says Kieran nightclub entry fees are still a thing before uh, coppers was 10 euro and now it's 13 euro inflation <laughs> at its finest well why are you oh. going to coppers first and foremost <laughs> I didn't, well, I didn't think people from Terran Euro went to yeah, uh, uh, coppers no. you know term and feckin maybe yeah I thought that was solely a culture experience speaking <laughs> yeah. as a culture myself of course yeah. um, if the FBI is paying out money for throwaway remarks to somebody else then clearly they've learned nothing so Hill needs to go and somebody else says the Irish have evolved to chase cows around fields not footballs GAA and riding horses is all we're good for the view of one of our listeners there <laughs> Becca Fisher journalist with DMG Media Shane Hannan of Off The Ball thank you both very much The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from 4 on News Talk.